Hosea chapter 3 this morning. It is a short chapter. Five verses. So we will go ahead and read verses 1 through 5 of Hosea chapter 3. Why don't you stand to your feet one last time in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of pagans. So I bought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver and one and a half omers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we certainly sense Your presence here amongst us. God, we are reminded of the price that was paid that we might be redeemed. And Lord, I ask this morning that, uh, God, You would help us just to let You do what it is You want to do. Help us to allow You to lead this place, Lord, and uh, to have Your way in our hearts. We pray that sinners would be saved. We pray that Christians that are teetering on the fence, that are playing games, would surrender. Father, we pray this morning You would give us illumination in our soul. Help us to see You for who You are. Help us to know You better. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that this morning You would just manifest Yourself here. Let Your presence fall upon us. Let Your Spirit move amongst us. God, let us leave changed. Not just challenged, but changed. By the power of God. Lord, this morning have Your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another lover and is committing adultery. This morning, we're going to continue a sermon series that started last week titled, Real Love as we are examining the love of God. I want to look this morning at the sermon thoughts, Redeeming Gomer. And I want to say something before I get started. All of you young ones in here, look up here and pay attention to the preacher. It's important that you understand at a very young age the reality of God, the reality that What Jesus went through was a very brutal thing so that we could be Christians. And that real love, the God's love, the authentic Christianity, that life is not always easy. It's not always pretty. It's not always fun and games. And this morning, just by the way that God led and the way the whole thing had played itself out, you have already watched a very graphic video of what Jesus went through to pay for the sins of mankind. 
And this morning when I preach, I am going to be preaching without question on one of the most graphic examples of God loving someone who by all accounts would not be loved by anyone else. And what I want you to know this morning, young people, is that you're not too young to understand that God loves you, that God has had to go through some very difficult things in order to purchase us. And it's important for you as young people to hear the preached Word of God. It's important every now and then for you to sit in on a sermon and hear the preacher preach. This morning I want to preach on the thought, Redeeming Gomer. In Hosea chapter 1, God tells Hosea to go marry a wife of adultery. And there is some disagreement as to what that means. But in reality, the most likely possibility is that God told Hosea to go get married, to marry a wife. And when He called her a wife of adultery, it does not necessarily mean she had been immoral before the marriage, but that's what she would become. We see the idea, uh, a man's wife called the wife of his youth. We see um, the, the term a woman of and a wife of a certain characteristic. And so for God to say a wife of adultery really tells us that He was telling Hosea ahead of time where this thing would end up leading. And Hosea, though God had told him where this thing would end up leading, he was faithful to God as God's prophet. And he married this woman named Gomer. And the Bible tells us in chapter 1, Everything seemed to look right. They were married. They had children together. God was deeply involved in each of the birth of their children because He is the one that named the children, telling uh, Hosea what they should be named. And by all accounts, everything was good. A relationship had been born. Children had been born. The family was happy. All was well in Hosea's life. It's a picture really of what this world was like before Adam and Eve turned their back and walked out on God. Before Adam and Eve turned on God. There, there was a time when mankind walked freely in the garden with God. When we communicated freely with God. When God would just come and spend time and, and, and man was in, a, in a, a state of being where he could be in the presence of God physically and, and, and could see God with his eyes and hear God with his ears and, and, and have a relationship with God and all was well and all was right and everything looked and worked like it should be. But something drastically changed. And in Hosea's life, he gets married. All seems well. No doubt he, he knew what God had told him and, and he knew the certainty of the Word of God. But there had to be times when he looked at his marriage and he looked at his relationship with his wife and he looked at her love for their children and he looked at their family laughing together and smiling together and sitting together at the dinner table and he had to wonder to himself, 
Did God really mean this thing would fall apart? How could something so good, how could something so pure, how could something so right turn? The Bible tells us that's exactly what happened. Gomer left the home. And the relationship began to unravel. Everything falls apart and one person walks away. It is a painful story that some of you here this morning know all too well. No matter how much Hosea pled with her, she would not stay. No matter how much he tried to talk sense into her and talk to her about how it would hurt the children and how her children would be wounded and and, and just stay, don't leave. No matter what he said, no matter how he pleaded, she walked away. And it's one of the painful things we see about relationships is that it really only takes one person who doesn't care about the pain, one person who doesn't care what happens, one person who becomes selfish, who becomes completely focused on their own wants and their own desires, one person who's willing to walk out on the rest, and in that moment there is nothing left but pain and destruction for everybody else. And we see the relationship that unravels. She walks away and there's nothing that her children can do. There's nothing that her husband can do. Everybody is hurt. There is pain and destruction in the house. Hosea does all that he can. But his wife simply will not listen. The Bible tells us that she was a harlot. That means that not only did she leave the house, that she went out and, and, and more than likely when we see the fact that he had to buy her back for 15 shekels of silver and what, what probably was the equivalent of another 15 shekels equaling 30, the price of a slave. In, in chapter 3 where he buys her back, it, it tells us that she had become a slave. Now she was a slave who was a harlot which means this woman became a prostitute. Think about the pain as the family is there. Hosea has loved her. Hosea had sought her. Hosea had pledged his life to her. Hosea had raised children with her. And there Hosea and his children sit around the table knowing their mother is out somewhere else with somebody else doing her own thing. Can we be real this morning? Because I'm going to preach in a little bit about the love of God. It helps really though to understand the love of God when we really understand how wicked we are as people. It helps to understand about the grace of God when we really understand the, the, the pain and destruction that we've caused not only to ourselves but to others. We do live in a world that is painful sometimes. We live in a world where we get hurt We live in a world where we become selfish and at times we hurt others. Gomer was a much like all of us. She thought there was something better. You know, that's really the lie of the devil. That's where it all started. She thought there was something better. I don't know what she was expecting out of her home. I don't know what she was expecting out of bearing children. I don't know what she was expecting out of life. The Bible does not tell us. 
But it is obvious that once she possessed it, once she had a faithful husband, once she had children, once she had a home, she still yet wondered if there was something more, if there was something better. And she began to lust for that which wasn't hers. She began to desire for the things that God had not told her to desire. She began to want the things that she was not designed to possess. And that hunger began to take root. And she began to do things that she should not do. She began to have associations that she should not have. She began to go places that she should not go. And before long, she left the house all together. What she went after was lust. It's a word I'm going to introduce this morning and we will examine again through this series. Lust is the exact opposite of love, but they look incredibly identical. Lust is really what the devil tempted Eve with in the garden. Now, Eve turned on God and Adam turned on God and and in that sense began to commit adultery, spiritually speaking, with the devil himself, with the enemy of God. But I want you to notice the temptation in the garden. Satan did not come to Eve and tell her that he would please her more than God. He did not even try to build himself up as if he was a greater lover than God. He appealed to her own selfish desire from within and said, you can become like God. And he began to stir up within her the selfishness of me. The willingness to take whatever I can take, to do whatever I want to do, to go where I want to go, to eat what I want to eat, to drink what I want to drink, to do what I want because it will satisfy me. See, that's lust. It's the exact opposite of love. Love gives. Love is what can I give away to help others. Love is I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to shed my blood. I'm willing to pay the price so that you might be free. Lust, on the other hand, says, what can you give me that I can take from you? And if I can get something from you that is satisfying to me, then maybe I will commit to you. You see, we live in a world that is ruled by lust and people call it love. If you're living with somebody outside of marriage, it's not love, it's lust. It's all about you and what you can get out of the deal. Lust is all about me. And we see that this woman hungered for that which she should not hunger for. Wanted what was not rightfully hers. Was not pleased with what God had given and here's the, here's the reality about sin. Here is the reality about this hungering and this lust. The moment that you take it in, the moment that you begin to put it in your mouth and chew it up and it seems to taste good, before you even begin to swallow, it turns to gravel in your mouth and you realize you've made a mistake. You begin to take a drink thinking that it is sweet thinking that it will do you good, thinking that it will satisfy you. But as it goes down, it steams and it is bitter. And you know that there was more to the story that I was not told that if I, if I went after my lust, if I went after my passions, if I went after my own understanding, if I did it the way that I thought it should be done, 
There's more to the story about what there is to pay. And she found herself a prostitute. In Hosea chapter 3, there has been a period of time where she has been out. She has been with others. She is now the slave of somebody. She is a prostitute. I have no doubt. I have no doubt whatsoever that the day that she walked out on her house, the day that she finally determined, I'm done thinking about it, I'm done desiring it, I've made up my mind, I am going to go, I'm leaving my husband, and I'm seeing what this world has to offer. I have no doubt that at that day, in that moment, in that decision, she had no possible thought that she would ever end up a prostitute slave. You see, that's where sin leads. Too many people think they're smarter than sin. Think you can mess around with it. Think you can play with it. Think you can dabble with it and somehow try to balance it out with some other good stuff and somehow life still works. Sin is a trap. Sin will snare you up. It will tie up your feet. It will tie up your hands and push you over and leave you there to die. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. The devil is a sneaky liar, but he, the Bible tells us he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his only motive. That's the only thing he wants to do to you. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy you. And every step that you take in sin, every step that you take against the will of God for your life is a step towards death and destruction. It is a step towards pain and suffering. What the devil does is he has this, it's like this great big spiral staircase and one step down there's an apple and another step down there's another snack and, and you think to yourself, I'm not going too far away from home. I'll just step right here. It's just one step. I can still see where I was. And you take something. And you think, well, I got away with that. It's not that big of a deal. And you notice a couple steps further down there's something more. And so... You come over a couple further steps down and there's something there and you take that. And before you know it, after time and time and time again, you begin to look back and you can't even see where you came from. And you're at the bottom of a stairwell. Steeped in your sin. Thinking that you somehow were going to outsmart sin. And there she is in pain and destruction. She wanders further and further away and becomes a prostitute in a desert land. She is a perfect picture of mankind. I know we don't like to think that we're wicked and I know that we don't like to think that we're far away from God, but in reality, every time that you sin, every time that you turn your back on God, Every time that we refuse to obey God and surrender to Him, we are turning to another. She is a perfect picture of this world. Humanity which had a, a, a perfect relationship with God, which had all that we needed. Adam and Eve were cared for. All their needs were met. Everything was perfect. All was well. And yet they turned on God. The same can be said of each and every one of us under the sound of my voice. We had turned on God. 
We refused Him. We knew what was right. We knew that what, what we were doing was wrong, but yet we did it anyways. We went after our own lusts. We are Gomer. And in chapter 3, God says, go find her. Go find her. Now, here's where the story changes. God says, go and find her. You would think God would say, give up. You would think God would say, well, she got what she had coming. But God said, now I want you to go find her and I want you to take her back. The love of God it, it, it is something that's so difficult for us to grasp. It's not like our love. Even at our best, our love is weak. Even at our best, when we are hurt, when we are wounded, when we are done wrong, when we have been attacked, when, when we can say with certainty, as Hosea certainly could have said with certainty, I am not wrong. I am the one that has been wronged. I am the one that has been hurt. We tend to say, stay away. But there's something about the love of God where God said, you go find her. When everybody else was thinking, leave her be, God was thinking, how can I get her back? When everybody else was saying she deserves what she has coming to her, God was saying, let's find a way to set her free once again. There's three things this morning I want you to see about the love of God. As he redeems Gomer. Number one, his love is a rescuing love. His love is a rescuing love. You know, to be rescued means that you've got to be in a place of danger. It means that some peril has come upon you and, and, and you need somebody to come and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You're in a situation that you can't get out of. You're in a circumstance that's out of your control. And unless somebody comes and rescues you out of that situation, you are hopelessly going to stay there. There is nothing that can be done. You need rescue. This morning, God's love is a rescuing love. God said, you go find her. Not just if she comes back, take her in. Not just be willing to forgive her. Not just in your heart, let her go. But He said, you go to where she is. You search her out. You find her. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we serve a rescuing God who comes to where we are when nobody else would come. Who loves us when nobody else would love us. Who says, you might be trapped up in your sin. You might be trapped up in your circumstances. There might be no way out for you, but I will come to where you are. I will move away the debris. I will move away the chains. I will set you free and come and rescue you when nobody else would. The love of God is a rescuing love this morning. You see, there are some things that real love simply will not give up on. There are some things real love simply will not give up on. Trust me, that's something this Christ divorced generation does not want to hear. But there are some things real love simply won't let go. I can't sleep at night, God says, knowing she's out there somewhere. Find her. Find her. Find her. 
I know that she's turned her back on me. I know that she's become a prostitute. I know what she's done. But I can't let her go. I'm here to tell you this morning, that's how God is with you. That's how God is with me. He just can't let you go. His love will not allow it. He is a just God. He hates sin. He hates all the sin is done to this world. But His love is so vast. His love is so great that He says, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I just can't let you go. When everybody else is telling you to leave, what everybody else would have walked out on, what everybody else would have moved on, love keeps hope. I'm telling you, I, there's not a whole lot of people in this society that really understand love anymore. I tried to think about examples where I could honestly say I saw love and there weren't a lot. But I'm telling you, I've seen love before. Love will make people do crazy things. Real love. Real love. The love of God. Love just keeps hoping. When everybody else says, oh, there's no hope. No, love says there is hope. Love sees something in people that, that nobody else can see. Love sees something in the, in, she sees something in her husband that nobody else can see. He sees something in her wife that nobody else can see. The, the parents see something in their children nobody else can see. God sees something in you that nobody else can see and love keeps hoping this morning. So the search begins. He thinks, where am I going to find her? The search begins. I want you to picture a husband in search for his wife. His adulterous wife. But the way he searches isn't the way that you and I probably would. It's, it's with a God-type love. He's not angry. He's not furious. He's not looking to hunt her down and bring her home and make her pay. He has compassion in his eyes. He just wants her free. He wants her out of where she's at. And the search begins. He doesn't know where she is. It's been a period of time, possibly a period of years. But he makes up his mind, I'm going to find her. And he gets word that there's an auction in town. He gets word that there's an auction of slaves. And he thinks to himself, I hope she's not there, but maybe she is. Maybe that's where she's at. Maybe she is now a slave. And he goes to the auction of slaves. And as he comes, he, he looks around and there he sees her. And their eyes meet. And she's filled with shame. She wonders to herself, what is he doing here? And she sees compassion in his eyes. And she sees love she's never seen before. And the bidding starts. And he sits there silently. One slave comes up. He says nothing. The next, the next, and the next. And still he says nothing. And then she comes up. And he stands. And he says, whatever the cost is, I will pay for her. And she realizes in that moment he has come searching her. He has come with one goal in mind, with one purpose, and that is to redeem her, to pay whatever needs to be paid, whatever the cost is, He's willing to redeem her. And the Bible says that He paid the price, and in that moment, she again became His. Love 
is a rescuing love. It's not only a rescuing love, it is a redeeming love. You see, there had to be a price paid. He couldn't just come in and say, hey, she used to be my wife. She's not yours. She had, she had walked out on her vows. She had become legal property of whoever this owner was that he purchased from. There had to be a price paid. Love. Real love this morning. It is a redeeming love. It gives. He was not expecting her to pay. He was willing to pay. He was the one that said, whatever the cost is, I am willing to pay it. She belonged to another, but not anymore. Real love is a redeeming love. Paying the price on her behalf, that's forgiveness. That's redemption. That, my brothers and sisters, is real love. We had a debt we could not pay. Each and every one of us, a debt we could not pay. If you think that after all that you've done, every lie that you've told, every time that you've turned your back on God, every time you've pretended to be something you're not, every time that you've hurt somebody, every time that you've used people to your own selfish gain, every sin that you've committed, if you think there's something you can do to pay that off, you are sadly mistaken. There is a price that is too significant for you and I to pay. There is a price that had to be paid. It was the spotless blood of the perfect God-man. It was the spotless blood of the Lamb of Heaven, Jesus Christ by name. He had to pay the debt. And there is no other way to be redeemed from our sins except through the precious name of Jesus Christ. There had to be a price paid. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God's love, real love, is a redeeming love. It's one that's willing to pay the price. God, help us to see this morning what love looks like. We are in such a selfish generation. It's all about give and take, give and take. I'll love you if. I'll commit myself to you if. That's not love, that's lust. Don't deceive yourself and think you're some great loving person if that's the way that you work. You better thank God real love doesn't work that way or you would be hell-bound forevermore. There would be no cross. There would be no Calvary. We had nothing to offer but the love of God. He said, I don't care if they have nothing to offer. The love of God says, I don't care if they're broke and they're chained up and they're shackled up. What's the cost? I'll pay for it. Whatever it takes to get them free, whatever it takes to redeem them that they might be my sons and daughters, I will pay the awful cost. Whatever it is, I will pay. You see, that's love. Can you imagine what marriages would look like if husbands and wives would love each other with that type of love? All in. All in. I've given you everything I've got. It don't matter what I get in return. I'm still going to love you with all that I've got. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give everything I have to make this work. I'm going to give everything I have to make this relationship go. I'm going to give everything I have to build you up and to keep you safe and to protect you and to push you in the right direction and to hold you when you need held, to love you when you need love, to give you a shoulder to cry on when you need a shoulder to cry on. It does not matter. I am all in no matter what. 
If husbands and wives would love that way, the divorce rate would be zero. The love of God is a rescuing love. The love of God is a redeeming love. And so there He is. The price has been paid. She comes down and He walks out with her with His head held high. They didn't sneak out the door. Head held high. This is my wife. I can't help but wonder what some of the town thought. Can you? Hey, they knew the story. Trust me, they knew the story. They knew this was the prophet's wife. The harlot of town. They knew the story. Some of them are snickering, but most of them are just baffled. He just bought her back. And the word gets out, Hosea purchased his wife back. The harlot wife who went out on him. He bought her back. And the town and the people are confused. Because this world doesn't understand real love. I'm telling you something. Real love, God love, heaven sent love, the love of Almighty God, it does not make sense to this world. It is love beyond reason. It is love beyond understanding. Because it is entirely, completely selfless. It is not about what we can get or give to God. It is that He simply loves us and wants to help us and wants to change us and wants to set us free. He has a plan for our lives. He loves us with a perfect love and He'll do anything and pay any cost that He might redeem us and show us His love. This world don't understand it. I'm telling you something. It doesn't make sense to the natural world. I cannot understand how God would love me when I was in a total state of, of absolute war against Him. I can't understand that. Sometimes I can't understand how God would love me the way that He does even now. After I know Him, and He's changed my life, and He's given me a blessed home and a family and an awesome wife and children and a Awesome church and, and, and fa- church family, and he's been so good to me. And then at times, I still am so lazy. I'm so unspiritual. I'm so selfish. I'm so these things that, that I don't want to be at times. And even now, sometimes I think, God, how can you love me so much? And all I can hear is simply, I am love. It is in God's nature. I'm telling you this morning, don't buy the lie of the devil that God doesn't love you or that you've done so much that He could no longer love you or that you've got to pay yourself some way back into the good graces of God. I'm telling you, He loves you this morning with every fiber of His being. It is who He is. He is love. And His love is a rescuing love. His love is a redeeming love. It's interesting that the same price of 30 shekels of silver is what Jesus was betrayed for 
by Judas. You see, there was an auction, though, that took place on Calvary. It didn't look like an auction to the natural eye. There was a purchase that was happening as His blood was dripping from the cross, as His blood was dripping from His brow. See, on Calvary, it would look like Jesus was chained up and everybody else around Him was free. On Calvary, it would appear as if Jesus was in being controlled by everybody around Him. But Jesus told His disciples that no man takes my life from me, but that I lay it down freely. The Bible tells us that multitudes of times they tried to seize Jesus and, and, and either bring Him in, and a few times they tried, uh, the other crowd tried to seize Him and make Him king. But He was not seized. And the Bible says the reason it wasn't His hour yet. In other words, He was in control the whole time. And while it would look to the world like Jesus as He hung there on the cross, was chained up, tied up. In reality, He was the only one that was free. And in reality, everybody else around Him, though their hands might not be tied, and though their feet might not be shackled, and though they might not be nailed to a cross, they were chained up by their sins. They were chained up in their minds. They were chained up in their hearts. They were desperately bound to their wicked nature. And there, as He hung, He was freeing them by paying the cost for their sins. It is for this reason He could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And He hung there on Calvary and paid the price for all the sins of mankind so that you and I could be redeemed, so that we could stand before God. And God could say, you, my friend, you, my son, You, my daughter, you have been paid for. I was bought with a price. My life is no longer my own. It is no longer the devil's. I am no longer a son of Satan. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus and I now belong to Him. I have been redeemed. The love of God's a redeeming love. The price is paid. And every slave willing to come from that day forward until the end of time can come forward freely and boldly proclaim, I have been paid for. Not only is His love a rescuing love and not only is His love a redeeming love, but finally this morning, His love is a restoring love. I want you to look at Hosea 2.16. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 16. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me master. God said, call me husband, not master. You see, they were two different terms. Sometimes that term master was used towards a husband, but never would a slave call their master husband. Husband is a 
a term of endearment. It is a term of absolute closest relationship. You see, a lot of us, we're afraid to come to God because we think it's going to be punishment. We think God wants to punish us. But Hosea showed up. He said, not only do I want to set you free, not only do I want to purchase you back, I didn't just come to rescue you and redeem you, but I came to restore you. I don't want you to pay. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to spend the rest of your life trying to make things right. I just want to love you and I want you to love me. I'm here to tell you this morning when God opens His arms to us and when we're willing to come to Him, He's not going to try to make us pay for every wrong thing we've ever done. He doesn't want a bunch of slaves. He wants people that He loves. He doesn't want us just to be able to call Him Master, but He wants us to be able to call Him Husband. A deep love. A deep love. Do you know God wants you... God, help me just to preach this for... A few minutes and I'll be done. God wants the most intimate, real relationship with you. I can't. I I don't even know what words to put it in. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I don't know how to do it. I can't say it. There's there's not words to describe the love of God. There's not words to really get out what God wants with you. But it's not a ball and chain. He does not want a slave. He doesn't just want you to come and have to do all of His things for Him that you just grudgingly don't want to do. That's what the devil wants you to think about authentic Christianity. That's what the devil wants you to think about if you sell out to God. He he wants you to think that it's just going to be terrible. That it's going to be like being a slave. That you're never going to have any fun. That you're never going to have any joy. But I'm here to tell you God says what I want with you in the best possible terms that you humans can understand is the relationship between a husband and a wife. The most intimate, most personal, most every day, every week, every month, from the time that you're married till the time that you die. That is the only way I can think of to tell you that's what I want with you. I want to restore you. I want what we had in the garden. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want you to know me. I want to know you. I want to be in part of every decision you make. I want to just laugh with you sometimes to laugh. I want to, I just want to hold you sometimes when you need help. God says, don't think of me as a master and you as the slave. Don't even call me that. He says, I want you to call me husband. That's what I want you to call me. I want you to call me husband. Because that's how I see you. Because that's how I love you. I'm telling you, God's love is a restoring love. I thought to myself, if God would purchase back a woman like this, if God's love would rescue and redeem and restore someone such as this, Someone such as me. Someone such as you. What will His love not do? What will His love not do? Oh, the love of God is so vast. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It is so vast. This morning as we prepare an invitation... 
Have you accepted this morning the love of God? Maybe this morning you're running from God. You're, you're Gomer. And you've turned your back on God and you're going your own way and you're chasing your own lust and you're doing your own thing. It left you empty, didn't it? It always does. It always does. Wise up. The story doesn't change. It's, it's, it's all a lie. Sin is nothing but destruction. It, it, you can't do it on your own. But this morning, don't let guilt and shame keep you there. Don't be so embarrassed of all that's happened that you won't come. Because God's love, He'll search you out. Listen, God's love's a rescuing love. He'll come to where you are. God's not sitting up on His throne refusing to come to where you are and saying, you've got to make your way to Me. He'll come to where you are. He will rescue you this morning. I fear that a lot of times though when God comes to rescue us, we push Him off. No, God, no, no. And God, He just wants to love us. He just wants to rescue you. He just wants to help you out of your mess. He just wants you to embrace Him. His love's a redeeming love this morning. The price has been paid in full. And it's a restoring love. God wants to restore you to a right relationship with Him. Lord, I pray that You move all across this room in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by Your love. God, there is no other place in Your Word more graphic of an example of the wickedness of mankind versus the love of the Almighty God. And love wins. Hallelujah! Love wins! God, this morning, may love win here. Thank you.